Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. Welcome back to another edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-NFL. You can also find my work on CoverOne.net and ClimbingThePocket.com. Right now, over at ClimbingThePocket.com, we are doing what's called a one-position group a day series where we're highlighting some of our favorite players from each position group throughout this draft class and also maybe some hidden gems or a lot of guys that aren't necessarily getting a lot of love right now. So head over to ClimbingThePocket.com. Make sure you click on the podcast link and be sure to check in on that. There's going to be some notable names in there and some guys that you might not know about as well. So be sure to check that out. This is Blue Wire's official NFL Draft and college football podcast. And once again, I am your host, Jordan Reed. Make sure to head over to Twitter to give me a follow. Right now, I want to introduce my 2019 NFL Draft Guide and just talk a little bit about that. With the Draft Guide, it is $10. You can find it on CoverOne.net, but you also can find it at the top of my Twitter page. And as I said earlier, you can find it uh, at NFL. That's at NFL is my pinned tweet at the top. So I just want to talk about my journey a little bit with this draft guide. It started in last June, uh, June 2018. That's really when I started to collect all the information about this draft guide. And it's just an extreme amount of work because you're discovering new guys every single day. And what goes out is an actual database of every single prospect that is draft eligible. So you have redshirt sophomores, juniors, and seniors all together in this actual database. So as I'm going by each position group, I make sure to get all of the seniors or guys that are immediately going to be eligible for the draft, no matter what, uh, unless they go back for another year, they somehow redshirt or something like that. But other than that, those guys are automatically going to go into the draft next year just because of their classification. So I make sure to get information on all of those guys first. And with that, you start to work backwards a little bit. Then you get to your juniors and your redshirt juniors and then your redshirt sophomores, of course, because they are three years removed from high school. So they are draft eligible. And then with that, you're watching videos and reading interviews and old newspaper articles and articles on the Internet in general and just gathering as much information as you can about all of these prospects. And come to find out, you really find some really nice information about these prospects. Christian Wilkins is a great example that I like to use, just finding out that he's a substitute teacher in the offseason, also why he wears the number 42. There's a huge significance behind that, and I don't want to give it away. You can find out all this stuff in the draft guide, and there's plenty of other examples of just fascinating stories of how guys get to this point, and that's the whole purpose of my draft guide. Too many times you see where accolades and Things of that nature are just listed in their bios, but you don't really get to see these players with their helmets off. Fans just like to understand or they only have access to these guys with their helmets on. So with my draft guide, I want to be able to paint an entire picture with not only these prospects with their helmets on, but their helmets off. Because you get to see guys that have high character or just accomplishments that they have had in the past. And that's the whole purpose of my draft guide. I want to make sure to paint the entire picture 
of these prospects. So that is just little in-depth information and details like that really matter to me. I'm huge on details. I'm a huge perfectionist and I want everything to be just absolutely perfect. And I'm really proud of how this guide came together. Also, with this guide, it is $10. But the good thing about that $10 is that it goes to proceeds, which the foundation that it goes to is called the Raleigh Rise Against Hunger. And this is a foundation that I have been contributing for or contributing to the past two years when I did start this actual guide last year. But we've updated and innovated from our previous platform from the 2018 draft to the 2019 draft where we have actual profile pages for every single prospect that I had a chance to get to. So with that $10, you're donating to a great cause and it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself because you're helping people in need. It goes strictly or straightly to poverty-stricken families and homes, not only here in the United States, but internationally as well. They have offices in Malaysia, the Philippines, Spain, Uruguay, and there's plenty of other places where the Raleigh Rise Against Hunger does have an impact. So you feel much better about yourself because you're donating to a great cause, but it is the best of both worlds because you're getting to learn. So when you're sitting in front of the TV a week from now and you're getting to check out the draft guide, just make sure that you have it in front of you while you're checking out the draft at the same time. So whoever your respective team does draft at the time, you're able to flip through. The pages are labeled by position. So whenever your team does select a certain prospect, you're able to read up on them. And now you have better information and understanding of this player, not only as a person on the field, but off of it as well. But with that being said, we're going to continue our State of the Franchise series where we have had a look into each team throughout the first round. And also we're eventually going to get to teams that do not have a first round pick. But the last team that we did end on was the Baltimore Ravens. And we're going to continue this thing progressing forward with the Houston Texans who have the 23rd selection, the Philadelphia Eagles who have the 25th selection, and then we'll end things with the Indianapolis Colts who have the 26th selection. Let's jump right into this thing with the Houston Texans with the 23rd overall selection coming off an 11-5 and season last year. Bill O'Brien just somehow always finds a way to get the team back together even though they get off to a poor start. And they somehow always finished the year strong. And that's exactly what the Houston Texans did a year ago. But with this team, you have superstars in place in Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball. They franchise tags Davian Clowney. And then you also have J.J. Watt. Those are your two franchise centerpieces on that side of the ball. With those guys, they still have to find a way to continue to add talent on this roster. And with Deshaun Watson entrenched as your franchise signal caller, you have to find a way to protect him. That needs to be the focal point of the Texans' entire draft. And it was a bit disappointing. And I say that because they entered this offseason with so much cap space and they just didn't spend it for whatever reason. And the one player that they did spend the money on was Matt Khalil. And I really didn't understand that move. And I know they needed a left tackle, but I just thought there was much better options out there considering the money that they already did have in place to get some better options. Jawan James would have been another viable option that they could have explored before he ultimately signed with the Denver Broncos. But there was some other options out there, too, that I thought they could have explored, but they just didn't do that. This is a team that led the league in sacks last year with 62. Deshaun Watson couldn't even travel by plane on some games, and he had to take a bus when they played in Jacksonville last year. That was a prime example of that, a story that I could not believe after I read it. But it just goes to show you how much of a beating that he took last year. Last year, they signed Senio Calamente and Zach Fulton prior to the 2018 season, but they just didn't pan out like they thought they would. So not only do they need help now on the exterior, 
but they also need help on the interior as well. And luckily with this draft class, they're going to have a plethora of options in this draft because they have the 23rd selection and then they have back-to-back picks in the second round. So maybe they go offensive line with all three picks. I don't think that's far-fetched at all because that's how much help this team needs up front. And yes, I know they need defensive backs specifically at corner. They need help there on the exterior of their defense. But if you're going to make a commitment to Deshaun Watson, you have to show that you're going to be able to protect him in the pocket because he's a guy that's going to hang on to the ball much longer than you want to see him do that. But that's just his playing style. And that's how it has been since his days, even at Clemson. He's a guy that isn't a very quick decision maker. And sometimes he likes to hang on to the ball within the pocket a bit longer than expected. So you have to find a way or find guys that are able to hold up and pass protection a bit longer than anticipated. And there's going to be some guys in this draft that can do that. One guy I do have circle for them. Maybe he is there at 23. Maybe he's not. One guy I do love for the Houston Texans, and that's Andre Dillard. I think he could be a fantastic selection for them at this 23rd spot. And maybe he goes earlier than this pick. But for right now, let's just stay in the now that the draft hasn't happened yet. I think he would be a fantastic addition for them. And I say that because he fits perfectly in their scheme. He's very fleet of foot. He can move around and he can block for long durations. Wow. Deshaun Watson has that ball in the pocket and he wants to extend plays. Diller has shown to be able to hold up and pass protection no matter what. He by far is the best pass protecting offensive tackle in this class, in my opinion. And I think he would be just a great option for them at that selection. But let's say he's gone or he's already been selected. With that pick prior to the 23rd selection, Dalton Reisner is another guy that makes a lot of sense for them because he has that positional versatility that you're looking for. He has experience at right tackle and at center, but I also think he can play guard as well. So he's a guy that checks a lot of boxes when you're talking about guys that have that versatility. And maybe they need a guy that not only can play tackle, but he also has that versatility to kick inside. And that's exactly what Dalton Reisner does bring to the table. But if they want to go outside of the offensive line and somehow they want to address other areas, I think cornerback definitely could be another viable option. And they just don't have a lot of depth in that secondary. They've lost Kevin Johnson. Jonathan Joseph is probably the best player in that secondary right now outside of Justin Reed, who I still can't fathom why he dropped to the third round a year ago. It was a complete steal getting him at that point. But I still think they need more help at cornerback. And I think The run on cornerback or that position in general is probably going to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers with the 20th overall selection. So Byron Murphy or Greedy Williams, one of those two could still be on the board for the Houston Texans with that 23rd selection. So I wouldn't complain at all if they do decide to go that route and they use 53 overall and 54 overall to address the interior or their tackle spots along the offensive front. So with Greedy Williams or Byron Murphy, I think either one of those could be viable options for the Houston Texans with the 23rd selection overall, too. The next team to talk about is the Philadelphia Eagles and a team that always somehow stays in the news because they have a general manager that loves to wheel and deal and find a way to somehow manipulate the cap that they do have. And that's just the definition of what Howie Roseman likes to do. He's a definition of what I like to call a cap wizard. He's never comfortable, and it's a huge reason why they ended up winning the Super Bowl a couple years ago because he set the standard of having defensive line depth and just having that constant rotation 
But the way he was able to get that rotation is being able to manipulate the cap and bringing in some of those guys. And that didn't stop after they won the Super Bowl. This year, they traded for Malik Jackson, a guy who had a down year last year in Jacksonville, but he just didn't seem to be a fit there. And he did shine in some spots, but he was just too inconsistent during his latter years there in Jacksonville. So with that being said, it's not just Malik Jackson that they did will and deal for this offseason. Jordan Howard, who I think is going to be a really good addition to the backfield. And they like to use a backfield by committee there. That's been their approach since Doug Peterson did get there a few years back. And we've seen it with Corey Clement, Josh Adams last year, and even Wendell Smallwood and Darren Sproles to an extent. So they just do not have one bell cow guy. And also Jay Ajayi. That's another name to mention. So they didn't just have that one bell cow type of running back. They like to use a plethora of different options and have this running back by committee that eventually makes up as that prototypical type of bell cow runner. So it's just a sum of a lot of parts that they like to use with a lot of different bodies to eventually mold into that one specific type of guy. So that exact that is exactly what they want to do with Jordan Howard. But the thing that I love about it is that he's on a one-year deal. And why do I love it? Because he's probably not going to get a huge deal next year, but he's going to get a deal that is worthy of them getting a compensatory pick back in return in 2020. So it isn't just Jordan Howard, but Deshaun Jackson also. And they did sign him to a long, a three-year extension, I should say. Not a long-term deal, but a three-year deal. Uh, and we've seen just how explosive he is. And in years past when he was with the Redskins and then his first go round with the Philadelphia Eagles. And a lot of people were really happy to see him back because he is a Philadelphia legend. No matter how bad it ended uh, when he did go to the Washington Redskins and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he had some previous stops there along the way before eventually returning back to Philadelphia. The time that he did have when they did draft him in the second round, it was just phenomenal. And you see the highlights. My favorite highlight is the punt return of him against the New York Giants a few years back, uh, early on in his career. That was by far one of my greatest Deshaun Jackson highlights. And there's been plenty others of his time. And when Michael Vick was there and uh, plenty of other guys uh, that he played with too. So he's just, he really defined the purpose of having that deep threat that could score at any moment. And that's what Deshaun Jackson brings to the table. And I think he's going to be a great addition to this offense, along with Carson Wentz, who is vying to stay healthy this year. But the draft needs that I have circled for the Eagles, I think offensive tackle, safety, running back, linebacker, and guard. I think those are probably the five biggest needs right now. And they're, luckily for them, this draft class is really strong at most, most of those spots outside of linebacker, which I don't think probably is an immediate need. I still think they have some pretty good depth there. Nigel Bradham is a decent player, but in the middle, they probably need to add somebody, maybe not right away, but maybe in the middle rounds. But with safety and offensive tackle, I think they're going to have plenty of options, whether that's at 25 or even later on at 53 and 57 so they have these two second day picks or day two picks to where they can add some really good talent and two guys that I have circled for them at those spots is Darnell Savage from Maryland and Titus Howard from Alabama State I think either one of those guys could be viable options at either one of those spots whether that's 53 or 57 with Darnell Savage I think he is an exact clone of what they get in Rodney McLeod and they did kind of spread Rodney McLeod's money out a little bit to where this is probably his last year with the team and he's another option that they're looking to get a comp pick back for and they're going to look to replace him or find his replacement in this draft and with this draft class it's a very good time to do that because it's very strong on day two and the earlier portions of day three specifically at safety and Darnell Savage I think 
he could bring a lot of versatility and value to the table because he's not just a free safety. He can play nickel. He can play outside corner. He can play strong safety or he can play free safety. So there's a lot of different boxes that he's checking and a lot of different hats that he can wear in the back end of the Eagles defense. And we've and we've seen how interchangeable they are, especially with Michael Jenkins back there. And then they're bringing Andrew Sandejo into the fold as well, who has played free safety for the most part in this time with the Vikings. So they have a plethora of options and they can have a really good three-man rotation. Back there, Avante Maddox is another viable option that they can use to swing at nickel corner or even if they want to play him a little bit at safety like they did last year. At 57 with Titus Howard, a guy that they could use to be that swing type of tackle behind Jason Peters and Lane Johnson because he has experience at right tackle and left tackle. But the bad thing last year for Titus Howard was that when he did come out of Alabama State and he played for them last year is that they had a left-handed and a right-handed quarterback, and they always wanted to keep him on the blind side of either one of those guys. And the bad luck for him was that they interchanged both of those guys a lot, not just weekly, but throughout games. So depending on whoever's blind side needed to be protected, that's the side that Titus Howard was going to play on. And I think by far his best game of the year was against Auburn. Check that game out. I thought he got better once he settled in after the first quarter, and he just started to shut out guys. Now, he, he is a bit of a project, but he does have some issues with hand usage and strength. I think those are two areas where he does need to improve upon. But he's not going to have to play right away because Jason Peters, this might be his twilight year to where he wants to go out, maybe with another Super Bowl ring. And Lane Johnson, maybe they do transition him over to the left side after this year and Titus Howard can take over as the team's right tackle. So with that being said, he's not going to have to play in 2019. He's going to be able to sit behind these two upper echelon types of talents. He can learn from two of the better pass protectors in the league and offensive tackles in general throughout the NFL and Peters and Lane Johnson. So I think this is a fantastic landing spot for Titus Howard if he was to go at this selection, whether that was at 53 or 57. Another area that they could look to address is running back. And I think with them having two day two selections, I think that's where the run on running backs could start. And one guy that I do have circled again for them is Daryl Henderson from Memphis. I think he would be absolutely terrific in a committee approach with Jordan Howard, with Corey Clement, Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, and Donnell Pumphrey, and all these other guys that, that they do have in this backfield. I don't think there's one there's a 1A type of option in this backfield because they're going to go with whoever's hot. And Jordan Howard is, of course, going to start out the rotation. But whoever is playing really good in the game, that's who's going to stay in. And that's what I like about Deuce Daly. He's going to feed the guy that is hot during that game. And I think with Daryl Henderson, he's a guy that could be that. He averaged 8.9 yards a carry during his last two years at Memphis, the school record holder for rushing yards, and he has generated 20-plus explosive plays in back-to-back -back years. That's just the type of asset and value that he brings to the table. And with this zone type of offense, I think Daryl Henderson could flourish in it because we know that the Eagles have one of the better, not only pass-protecting units in the league, but also run blocking because that is their pride and joy. They use that to set up all of the other facets in their offensive style and offensive approach, the RPO game is by far the best in the league, in my opinion, because Doug Peterson made it adamant about that. It's something that he wanted to establish once he was able to establish an identity for this team. So 
the whole RPO phase really started with him when they went on their Super Bowl run and during that entire season. And with Daryl Henderson, that is an area that he did flourish in at Memphis. So he's a guy that I think is a better receiving threat than what he's given credit for. But also, we know how explosive he is as a running threat. So adding him into that committee with all the names that I alluded to earlier, I think that could be a viable option for the Eagles at 53 or 57. Before we move on to the Indianapolis Colts with the 26th overall selection, here's a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are saving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and also a travel blade cover as well. Get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your front door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Again, that's harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's Blades comes with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E to redeem your razor for only $3. The last team that we'll talk about today is the Indianapolis Colts, who hold the 26th overall selection. And the guy that's in charge of them is by far one of my favorite general managers throughout the league, and that's Chris Ballard, just because I love the way that he operates and I like the way that he runs the team. He's not a guy that's going to do too much or pull too many arms and legs in order to get personnel in the building. And what I mean by that is the Colts had $122 million in cap room entering this year. And they haven't spent a lot of that outside of Devin Funches and a couple other deals. They just haven't went to the bank a lot or backed up the Brinks truck a lot on these free agents and overspent. Because one thing that has always stuck with me since Chris Ballard took over is that his very first press conference, he stated that, He wanted to bring more homegrown talent into the building for the Colts because when he used to visit Lucas Oil Stadium, all he used to see was Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne jerseys. Now, all you see is T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck jerseys prior to when he took over. So what he said was he wanted to get more butts in the seats, of course, but he also wanted to see fans wearing more modern day players jerseys. So with that, he did that perfectly, selecting Quentin Nelson last year at sixth overall and then getting Darius Leonard in the second round. So now you have your two-face of the franchise type of players outside of Andrew Luck that Chris Ballard was talking about that can be that homegrown talent because both of those guys were all pro players last year, both homegrown, and they're going to be great players for a very long time. So with that being said... That's another recipe of success that Chris Ballard is trying to repeat this year. And he didn't overspend for anybody. And I know the Devin Funches deal was a bit arguable as far as the financial side of it and just how much they paid for him. But I think it's a low short-term risk. And we have saw how they reaped the benefits of these former first-round selections with Eric Ebron last year. And maybe just a change of scenery and entering a new culture could be better for him. And we'll see how that does turn out with him now that he's playing alongside Andrew Luck. And maybe he's in a more creative type of offense than what he was in with the Carolina Panthers to where he can be more of a focal point than what he was seen as in his time in Charlotte with the Panthers. So 
with Devin Funches, I think he probably, I don't want to say he's going to have a career year, but I think his numbers will be a bit better than what they have been in years past. And yes, he does have his flaws and his deficiencies. But in Frank Reich's offense, we've seen that they like to take advantage of those big body targets because they like to use bigger types of personnels with a lot of tight ends on the field, but also with big wide receivers that can stretch the field while they use T.Y. Hilton as that roof and field stretcher vertically. So I think he landed in a really good situation. But with the Colts draft, I think this is another huge draft for them because they're trying to build on what they built last year. And yes, I know they had the heartbreaking loss to the Chiefs last year in the playoffs, but I think this team is really close to being really good. And maybe they haven't entered the upper echelon types of teams in the AFC yet, but I think with another good draft, I think they could make that jump. Nobody's going to be as good as the Patriots. Everybody knows that they're in a whole different tier by themselves, but they maybe could enter that second type of tier under the New England Patriots. And I think they have a lot of talent on this roster. Andrew Luck, of course, I think is probably the most talented guy on the roster. You have T.Y. Hilton, you have Quentin Nelson. And I think the remake of this offensive line was fantastic last year. And a lot of good parts really came to play last year, and they really did improve. And you saw just how well coached they were last year. Now, they do have some needs at defensive tackle and cornerback. And I still think they have a need at edge rusher, even though they brought Justin Houston in. Kamoko Ture really is still a young player. So maybe they do still try to address some edge help. But along the defensive interior line, I think that's probably where they're lacking the most. And there's a lot of guys in this draft that make a lot of sense for them along the interior. And one guy I have a star beside is Christian Wilkins. And you talk about a guy that can change the culture of a team and can be a homegrown player that can be a fan favorite very quickly. I think Christian Wilkins can be exactly that for the Indianapolis Colts. And what I love about Wilkins the most is his character. And that's the first thing that you hear Chris Ballard preach every single time with the players that they draft. Because every person that they have bought in, even last year, all of them have had good character. The only one that has had a slight hiccup was Deion Kane, the six-round selection from a year ago, who I think is going to be a really good player coming off the torn ACL. But with Christian Wilkins, character is flawless. I mean, he's clean as a whistle. And he has fantastic character I can't say that enough you talk about a guy that graduated from Clemson in two and a half years eventually went on to get his master's degree the fastest player ever to graduate from Clemson in program history so that just goes to show you how much of a commitment that he makes not only on the field but off of it as well and how he likes to set the standard and he wears his number for a purpose the number 42 jersey number and that is included in my draft guide as I alluded to earlier but also, it just goes to show you how good his character is. And this is something that I always love to bring up about Christian Wilkins because every time you see him, he has that loving and bubbly type of personality. He's always smiling, and he has the energy just to light up a room. He is a substitute teacher in the offseason for kindergarten and pre-K classes. So that just goes to show you just how well-loved he is, not only in the school system, but also in the locker room, everybody that has interacted with Christian Wilkins, they speak so highly of him. And they don't even start with how good of he is as a player. They start with how loving he is as a person, how easy he how easy it is to gravitate towards him. Another fit I could see along the interior is Jeffrey Simmons. Let's talk about the opposite end of the spectrum from Christian Wilkins. Everyone knows about the offseason trouble that he did have prior to his point with the Mississippi State Bulldogs. But since that point, he has had a clean resume. He hasn't had any hiccups or anything like that. But now you have to throw in the ACL injury. And I still think they may well could take him. If it's not at 26, I definitely think it could be at 34. 
I think that probably be, would be a better risk, even though you don't get the fifth-year option with him. I still think selecting him at 34 and really stashing and keeping him away for a year and then flourishing from him in 2020, I think that definitely could be an option for the Colts. And you talk about putting him along, along the interior and just adding more talent to that room. I think Jeffrey Simmons could be a viable option for the team, whether it's at 26 or 34. Another area that I think they need to address is the spot opposite of Malik Hooker. And Malik Hooker is that roof type of safety that likes to stand on the top of the defense and be what I like to call a traffic controller in that he's directing everybody where to go, but also he's an, he's a mistake eraser on the back end of the Colts defense. And that's what he always has been known at, even in his days at Ohio State. He's a guy that can just erase any type of mistakes because he has that sideline to sideline type of range to where he can help his cornerbacks out when they make mistakes. And he's a true free safety. But they need to get a guy that can play better closer to the box because that's not Malik Hooker's strength. He doesn't like to come downhill and tackle consistently because he likes to show off a little bit, show off his range, his sideline to sideline ability, and be a better pass defender as opposed to a guy that's going to come down and just have bone-crushing hits coming down into the box as a run support. But on the flip side of that, you talk about a guy that is a bone crusher. I think Jonathan Abram could be a viable option for them at 26. And two guys that mesh perfectly together as far as their playing styles, you have Malik Hooker, who is that naturally rangy free safety over the top of the defense while you have that surveyor and security guard type of strong safety in Jonathan Abram. So I think coupling those guys together could be something that they do feed off of each other in the back end of that coach defense. So keep an eye on Christian Wilkins, Jeffrey Simmons, and Jonathan Abram at 26 or even 34 for the Indianapolis Colts. Now that we have discussed the Texans, the Eagles, and the Colts who hold the 23rd, 25th, and 26th overall selection, we're coming down the backstretch of the State of the Franchise series, and we're coming back with the Friday show to wrap up the series with the Los Angeles Chargers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Rams, and the New England Patriots. Because I want to get the State of the Franchise series out of the way, and I want to start fresh the week of the draft. I can't believe draft week is upon us, and we're officially just over a week from actual draft day being here on Thursday night, April 25th. So make sure you tune in to Friday's episode. I'm going to have a lot of secrets in that show and my special plans for draft day. So I'm going to reveal a lot of things on that show next Monday and also this upcoming Friday show. There's going to be a plethora of things that are going on with the Draft Board Podcast next week. So make sure to tune in for that. Also, make sure to go grab your copy of my 2019 NFL Draft Guide that is available over on CoverOne.net. Also, you can check it out on ClimbingThePocket.com. We're doing a series over there, a one-position group a day series. So be sure to tune in for that. Also, again, I can't reiterate enough. Make sure to go check out the draft guide. It truly is my pride and joy. It's something that I put a lot of time into. And then it's a best of both worlds situation of where your $10 goes to charity. Also, you're benefiting yourself to where you don't have to play catch up as much on all of these draft prospects that your team potentially could draft. So make sure to go check that out. Head over to CoverOne.net, click the link. Also, you can find it pinned at the top of my Twitter page. That's at NFL at J-R-E-I-D NFL on Twitter. It's at the very top. You can click the link. It'll take you directly to the download site to where you can type in your email. Once you type in your email and pay your $10, the download link will appear and you'll be set to go from there. So make sure to download the draft guide and I promise you will not be disappointed. 
But once again, this is the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed, and I look forward to bringing you Friday's episode.